Welcome to City Limits. I'm Kevin. And I'm Ann. Anne, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Kevin. I haven't seen you all day today. I know. I was very busy. Yeah. We both work from home, but different, different sides of the house, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, different different times of the day we take. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's March 29th. Uh, it's quite cold. Mm-hmm. It was colder yesterday, but I think it's supposed to be a little warmer tomorrow. But uh, we're not here to talk about the weather. That's just because it's the time of year. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, what do you what do you want to talk about? Today? I don't know. I thought maybe we could talk about the rally last Saturday, which was yeah. about the you know about Abigail. Yep. So we both went to the rally at the Adams Green mm-hmm. at was it three o'clock, right? Yep. In front of the Church of the Presidents. Yep. Um, there was around both papers, the Globe and the Ledger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen the, the Sun yet, but they reported a hundred. I think there were a little over a hundred. Uh, maybe 150 max mm-hmm. people there, there to uh, rally to bring back Abigail and John and John, mm-hmm. uh, the statues to the Adams Green or Quincy Center. The Lloyd Lilly statues. The Lloyd Lilly statues, yep, that were, were taken out. Mm-hmm. That they were created by the Quincy Partnership. I think it's important. It was dedicated about 25 years ago, which is, you know, wasn't that right. long ago, but they were beautiful statues. Yep, by some, you know, Quincy Partnership was some civic-minded individuals, businessmen, Right. It was a mix. It was business people. It was, um, it was. The, I think the mayor was part of it. Yep. And it was, and some political people. I think Tim Kaine was part mm-hmm. of it. Ed Cohane, Don Uvinetti, Mark Bertman, and I'm missing Tom I mean, Galvin. Tom Galvin, um, Bob Curry. I know we're missing a few. Mark McFarland, yeah. Mike McFarland. I will miss a few people, but there were a lot of people who um, came together to try to beautify the city of Quincy back at a time that it wasn't major, majorly the focus. They did some lights. They did some. They did some signage for the city of Quincy, and they did, most importantly, the Lloyd Lilly statues. Right. So I think we should go back a little bit to where this rally started. Sure. Maybe some ground, some people as to where. Yeah. People have been wondering for years, actually, you know, Mm -hmm. where those where those statues are, where Mm -hmm. they where they went, Mm -hmm. what's happened. Claire Fitzmorris wrote a letter to the Quincy Sun on March 3rd. And she had talked, she talked about um, that she uh, met a Japanese tourist when she was gardening. She's the gardener of the Thomas Crane Public Library. Mm-hmm. If, if you ever get a chance to go by them. They're absolutely They're beautiful. absolutely beautiful. Not and done by the Quincy Parks. Nope. <laughs> she and um, I forget the other woman's name, but they saw her cut some neglected beds mm-hmm. that were covered in weeds and decided to volunteer Neglected and, areas in the city of Quincy. Yeah, we we did all show on that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but thank you for doing that. As yeah. Well. So she was gardening, and a Japanese tourist had come by, and uh, uh, he had visited Quincy 15 years ago, and he had a chance to come back to Boston. He was especially excited to visit the statue of Abigail and John, and he was disappointed that they weren't there. Mm-hmm. He said the park was very nice, but where where are they? Where is the statue? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read a bit of this. From, from Claire, she says here, we have a $15 million park that calls itself Hancock Adams Common, wherein there is not a single acknowledgement of the extraordinary lives of our sheroes, Abigail Smith Adams and Dorothy Quincy Hancock, both led remarkable and brave lives. They are most frequently remembered as first ladies. Abigail was the second first lady of our newborn republic. Dorothy Quincy Hancock was the very first lady of our commonwealth. Of Massachusetts, did the city even propose a historical marker about them without, when consulting with Halverson Design? That's 
who designed the park. Mm -hmm. And she said, I have no doubt the British crown was convinced that we're each up to their earrings in treason, which is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, and then she said, as we approach National Women's Day on March 8th, I urge the men, yes, still only men, who are in charge of the Parks Department and the Quincy Historical Society to reconsider their plans to bury these beloved statues in the outer darkness of Marymount Park. The Lloyd Lilly statues belong in the Hancock Adams Common. I think there's one correction that I would have there. It was much more than $15 million. It was more closer to $50 million. Oh, yeah. I, don't know. I do. <laughs> So, yeah. You're good with the numbers here. I am good with the numbers. So that's where it started. And I don't think she realized how many, um, like the spark that she was going to create from that letter. And it really did create a spark because there was many people after that that started to get involved. Yeah. Some, some other people wrote some, some letters and uh, there was a petition started with before this over 500 mm -hmm. um, signatures. I think there's probably more now from the rally. Absolutely. And then the rally was planned. And I, I thought we we did a little research. So the history of the statues dates back to 1997, I yeah. believe. June. 20, June. June. Um, and they had an event before Flag Day. Mm -hmm. They had six of the Quincy First Ladies of, of the mayors, Joanne Sheets, Sheila McIntyre, Patricia Hannon, Louise Larea, Shirley Tobin, and Sandra McCauley mm -hmm. attend. They also had a keynote speaker, Abigail Adams Brown, a direct descendant of Abigail Adams. Mm -hmm. So they had that. They had bands playing, and actually one of the people that played in the played for that valley in 1997 was actually at the event just last Saturday. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I did talk to everybody. <laughs> um, one interesting thing on this article, we can go back, get back to it, says the National Park Service is a member of the Quincy Partnership, mm -hmm. which commissioned a statue. Oh, I forgot that Marion Peak was actually part of the Quincy Partnership. So the National Park was part of it. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think it was, it was a lot of consideration taken into who was part of the Quincy Partnership. And it was really was about the beautification of Quincy. And the focus was strictly on trying to enlighten and to make things look prettier and better for Quincy. And they did do that. And, yeah. and it had some real, obviously some real traction because when those statues went away, people took a notice to it. So Right. And of course, those statues uh, were taken away because of the Hancock Adams Common yep. that was going in. For the development rerouting Hancock Street around the church, and then uh, they were they were making the park. So, and it wasn't just. I mean, the, the whole thing was that it kind of bulldozed everything that was there between the the statues and the bricks that were there to come away with the new, you know, the new creation of the Hancock Adams Common. We went back to 2013, mm -hmm. and this is an article in the Ledger. Mayor Coke Adams statues can stay. But bigger ones on the way. Bigger's always, bigger is always better. Bigger is always better. Okay. So. Only um, if they're men. Oh. I don't know what that is. <laughs> John, and, John Hancock and, and, John, and John Adams. <laughs> um, so the iconic life-size statues of John and Abigail Adams in Quincy Center aren't going anywhere, city officials have decided. But they may get company. At the insistence of the volunteer-led Quincy Partnership, which paid for the two existing statues, Mayor Thomas Koch has decided not to move them when the city builds a new park called Adams Green in front of City Hall, part of the revitalized downtown. Mm -hmm. But the city is still going forward with plans to solicit new designs for even larger Adams statues, Koch said. 
The city was considering moving the existing statues and replacing them with bigger versions. The idea got a chilly reception from the partnership, a fundraising group that formed in 1991 to beautify the city. The mayor seemed to get the message that they should stay in the area, said Ed Cohane, mm-hmm. a Quincy funeral homeowner who founded the partnership. They're a prominent part of the city of Quincy. Coke, a member of the partnership himself, said although the existing statues, both designed by sculptor Lloyd Lilly, will stay, players are still moving forward to put larger Adam statues in the park. There will be room for these bigger statues and the existing partnership statues, and I think they'll all be well-received in the park, Coke said. At the time, city planners had said taller, more imposing statues would be needed to match the scope of Adams Green, a sprawling park expected to stretch between the church and the city hall. It's going to be a world-class park, Cook said. Cohane said his group isn't worried about the new larger statues minimizing the existing sculptures. It's really not our concern, and it's out of our hands, he said. Coke said the designer of the park, Halverson Design of Boston, hasn't decided where all the statues would go in the park. So that's from 2013. I think the disappointing part of that was, I don't think the partnership was part of the conversation, which is always the situation that happens here in Quincy. You know, bigger isn't always better, especially when you've had like really successful things happen. And maybe if they just coordinate a little bit better with the conversation by having the right people at the table, we could have had an Adams Hancock Common that would incorporate the really great Lloyd Lilly statues. And that's a that's a misconception of the administration. So yeah, it seems like at one time in 2013, Mm -hmm. those statues were going to be there. Mm -hmm. If we get back to the rally, so Mm -hmm. the rally had some speakers. It was Claire Fitzmorris, Mm -hmm. of course, who kicked it off. Um, And then it was Jean Lucas. Um, She's from the Quincy Dems, and. She's her husband also works for the Tea Party in Boston. So, oh, yep, that's cool. I used to walk by that every day uh, when I went to the office. And then there was Linda Stice, former school committee woman, and then Emily Lebo, um, and, and she's the current school committee woman. <laughs> yep. So I didn't tape. And I think Emily and Linda are both part of the Wollaston Garden um, Club. So I did write some things down. Mm-hmm. Um, these are mostly from Emily. So she says, uh, moving them out of the park and, and, and keeping them out of the park and putting them at Marymount has basically marginalized Abigail's achievements. And it's generating more questions than answers. Told the city does not own the statues, but they're also saying the statues were given to the city. Mm-hmm. And she'd like to know, does the city own them? If the city doesn't own them, who does own them? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to get into that right now or... I think we'll wait. Okay. And and by the way, and this is was a theme I, I saw on signs and heard throughout. Where is the statue? I don't think anybody has seen the statue since they've taken them away. And there are some stories about that too. You know. Yeah. Whether but or not they, they were they, damaged or not, they, I'm not they sure. They may have been damaged. But. Hopefully not. I mean, yeah. that's, that's you know, unfortunately, we don't know because we haven't seen them. Yep. So I think we need some kind of proof of life or proof <laughs> of existence on where they are from what i um, understand they're in they're at the park department um in the nike headquarter kind of like that area up and up in um, yeah. marymount area and then she said the park department has been meeting with some group to determine a place for abigail and i think that group is uh dave murphy said in his article to the sun is peter jackson i think he's a landscape architect mm-hmm. um but she asked that we be invited to any meeting where locations of those statues 
are being discussed. And then she they, she had a, she had a good quote where where people seem to react. She said Lloyd Lewis sculpture they keep saying is not built to the right scale and then she quoted Shakespeare for she may be small but she is fierce Mm -hmm. which kind of means you know it's not yeah it's not John and John the big giant heroic statues that look like superheroes but the fact is 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 that it goes back to the actual the actual planning of of this Adams Hancock common which was really underneath the leadership of the administration and you know they didn't take into consideration the very things that made people come to Quincy, which was, you know, what the partnership had done. And the the modernistic structures that they have in there now are giant. And if they took into consideration some of those things, they would have been able to develop around those other things that were there, like they do in the Boston Commons or other other areas where they have historic things that are developed and they can put modern modern twists on them at the same time. Right. But but I think another thing she was getting at is there was a story, right? Mm-hmm. It was... It was um, Abigail and John Quincy Adams when they were uh, viewing the bombing of Charlestown from from two different Penn's Hill, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and they were looking across a street or across a, a vast divide divide mm-hmm. at John, and he's looking back, and it just talks. It just it it meant something. But yeah, the statues themselves are actually the the the, the statues are kind of looking at each other. Um, like looking across at um, um, Abigail's looking and John's looking towards Abigail. And there's a story and there was thoughtfulness that was put into the storytelling of the statues. It was more than just, um, they were telling a full story. And yeah. unfortunately, we have these two anchors at two ends of the park that aren't telling a story. They're just, they really don't tell the story. They're just kind of looking out at the ends. And it's a modernist in park, but but they, they don't, they're not telling the history that, that's really there. And the other piece that, you know, that was told by, I just want to go back to what Jean Lucas was talking about, because she was really bringing in, what did Abigail do while John was um, away? And she was really holding together the farm. She was doing the investments for the family. She was raising her family. She was um, basically a single mother. She was basically a single mother. And she was, she was educating John Quincy, who would go on to become the sixth president of the United States and then, and then finish out his career in Congress. So she was a very telling person. She was, she was also advising her husband and helping and supporting her husband in the development of our nation. She was, she was bigger than life. Oh, I have a fun fact. <laughs> and you Kevin know, Mahoney fun fact. Kevin Mahoney fun fact. Here it comes. Um, did you know that Abigail Adams mm-hmm. was called Mrs. President? I did not know that. Well, yeah. it makes sense though. Because of her influence on John. Well, it, and and well should she be? But the but the story that Jean Lucas was telling was was she was really kind of modernizing the story of of Abigail and saying that it wasn't about these one singular people, John Adams, John Hancock. It was about the values that they were bringing and developing for a country and that it takes a family to create those values. The very thing that this administration talks about all the time, yet she was omitted from that downtown. <laughs> you know, it's, it is about those family values and it was about what this country was born on. And it was about equalizing what the, what a woman's input was. She was the beginning of women's rights before we ever knew what women's rights was about. Right. Emily, Emily did say, um, she was probably the most important woman in 1776 to influence any part of what went on with the building of our country. She deserves to be in this beautiful space. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was intentional, but they have marginalized her and the contributions of women to this country. Mm-hmm. It's fundamentally unfair. 
Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because oftentimes, you know, remember the ladies gets, it's the quote that's, that is always, is always said, but no, I think what's forgotten about is in the letter to John Adams, Abigail's really urging them and the members of the Continental Congress to not forget about the nation's women and when they're fighting for America's independence. And that same voice was being heard in 1776 by a woman. And the same thing is happening in 2022, where women's voices are still being, we're still having to fight for those things. So she was really a woman ahead of her time. Right. So we can read some of the reviews from or read some of the accounts from the, the papers, mm-hmm. the ledger and the globe. I mm-hmm. just wanted to read a couple quotes. Chris Walker, chief of staff of, the, of Mayor Thomas Koch, defended the city plans for the statue, insisted it's going to an equally prominent place. There are questions about that. That was brought up by, I think, at least three of the speakers. It's it's not a prominent. It's not as prominent as that space. Yeah. So one of the speakers brought up a very good point, which was, you know, they're gonna they're they're positioning these. They're they're talking about putting these um, these statues down at Marymount Park, which is across from Veterans Stadium, and where it's where we stop now for the veterans parade in front of the World War II Memorial. And it's really a dedication to 20th century veterans. And a better place for the Doughboy would probably be towards the Fennel Street area of that park as opposed to where it is right now, because you don't really notice it where it is right now. And it's really that's really a veterans kind of park. However, I believe that the um, Ed Cohane, the, the Quincy Partnership um, person wants to have it there. Yeah, clear. Fitz, Fitzmorris said, Marymount Park, about a mile from Hancock Adams Common, gets less tourist traffic than the center. That's a fact. I mean, there, there aren't as many people walking through there. And for sculptures to be enjoyed, I think you have to walk through it, right? Mm-hmm. Walk by them. And then, let's see, on Thursday, uh, March 24th, I guess I guess we know the city is concerned about it because they have a full court press and a, a kind of a press junket going mm-hmm. on. Uh, Dave Murphy, commissioner of natural resources, wrote in, and I'll, I'll read some of his his stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creation of the transformative Adams Common was one of multiple steps the city has planned to recognize our past residents' critical room history. And then goes on to talk about Mayor Thomas Koch recently announced plans to name a beautiful downtown cultural center in honor of Quincy's first lady, first ladies, Abigail Adams and Louise Catherine Jones. And then he went on to say there is a deep connection between the Adams family and our Marymount Park. The Adams family remains involved in the affairs of the park to this very day. For it was Charles Francis Adams II, the grandson of John Quincy Adams, that consolidated the 80 acres and sold it to the city for one dollar back in 1885. And then he goes on to say, uh, today is it is the most popular municipal park in Quincy by a large margin. And I can't imagine what Quincy would be without this beautiful preserved open space. But I find that really funny because it was probably I like- it's a, the Adams Common. That's the, well, I would think it's like a 10th of the cost of the Adams Common. It's only cost them a dollar to have that, but it cost us $50 million <laughs> to have this other park. But you know, more importantly, they they've engated it, so you can't actually to get into it. You have to go, I think, down towards the veteran stadium to get into the park. It's it used to be open to the public, and the reason why people liked it was because you kind of could walk through it, you could cut through it, you could you could do a bunch of different things. And now it's kind of enclosed, and it's yeah. hard to get into. So I, I do find it kind of insulting in a way that Chris Walker and, and Dave Murphy are saying this park is 
equal prominence. No, it's not. It's not, and nobody thinks of it. And the other thing is, it's it's not in the historic downtown where the Church of the Presidents are, where they're the first and the sixth presidents, along with their wives, are entombed. And you know, we talk a lot about history in the city of Quincy and how we're trying to make this a walkable and a city that's now to be able to navigate tourism that comes to it. But yet, we keep separating things and and not taking into consideration the very incredible things that people have done, like the Quincy Partnership. And I include the mayor in the Quincy Partnership. What they did with the Lloyd, the Lloyd Lilly statues was incredible. And that story is, was dismantled. And it was dismantled because we wanted bigger and better. Yeah. Not because it wasn't telling a story. It told a beautiful story. It told a beautiful story of our history. But we wanted much bigger. And everything has to be bigger and better. But when we're talking about even the cultural center that they're talking about. And now we're going to bring them inside and we're going to have them in marble because it's more graceful to have women in marble. Let's play that clip. In fact, they're going to be inside. So we may be using a medium like marble instead of bronze, which is more graceful, especially to see a, a female figure in marble is so much more attractive than, than in bronze. So it's more graceful because the female form. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I have to tell you the superheroes that we have at the end of the parks, John Adams and John Hancock, very modernistic in comparison to the Lloyd, Lloyd Lilly put a lot of effort into making them realistic and approachable and real, you know, and they were, and that's what people were attracted to. And to suggest that, you know, we're going to put you inside the women, we're going to create you in a way that we can put you inside. Because you protect it. You know, I would I would suggest maybe you might want to talk to the people who are creating the statues, whether it's in bronze or marble or anything else. It's really the detail in which they're doing it in. And what I do agree with is I, I did speak with um, Ed Cohane, and I think there's an opportunity for people to reach out. Those statues are going to be done. And if this administration is open to it, they should really want to have the feedback from the community. Feedback is not something that they take lightly. They do not actually want feedback from the community, but I do think that is something that this administration needs to start opening their ears to. So he said that, and he said some other things. You know, I, I was at the the rally. Mm-hmm. I will say that some of the supporters there were probably his supporters, and that they probably donated these things. Yeah. But he went on to say, I'll, I'll just play it for us. You know, there's, there's no effort here to keep the ladies out of out of Quincy Center or just, just a combination of things. And, and I know the public has a lot to say sometimes. Some of those people that have a lot to say about these things, I'm, I'm sure they didn't contribute $1 when we had the fundraisers for the statue, but that's a different issue. So you're saying they didn't contribute anything? Well, I don't know. They've been in storage, I, I assume, with in a city facility? Mm-hmm. They were removed by the city, the taxpayers? Yeah. They're going to be put back by the city taxpayers? Mm-hmm. Uh, landscape designers being hired? Mm-hmm. By the city taxpayers, so yeah. they do have a say. Well, I have to say the other thing is, is that there's many people in the city of Quincy who contributed to the Quincy Partnership, and unless they can prove to me that only the Quincy Partnership contributed to it, yeah, they had fundraisers for it, and you know, to to try to call out people and say, oh, the hundred people in front of City Hall didn't contribute to this, therefore they don't have a say. Yeah, I think he's seizing on something that maybe this person who initially kicked this off maybe didn't live here her whole life. Mm-hmm. And that's a popular thing. Not a popular thing, but no, it's a thing. No, it's a thing. If you're um, not born and raised here in Quincy. If you're not born and raised here, shut your mouth. Yeah. And you, you have no right to say anything, but you're a taxpayer of the city of Quincy. And by the way, this is the administration, the $50 million park that was paid for by federal, state, and local taxes, including Quincy taxpayer money. 
I'm sorry, but we paid for those $600,000 statues of John and John Hancock, but we lost something that was far more valuable and much less expensive from the Quincy partnership. And that was the story of John Quincy and Abigail and John Adams looking across in a divide of, of the beginning of our countries. And, and, you know, to suggest that, you know, people didn't donate money or if you have a complaint, you're, you know, you're not being heard. Maybe it's time that this administration realizes that they're, they have to listen to the people who live here to, yeah. to make those decisions as to what's happening. And maybe people as a collective, you mm-hmm. know, have good things to say. Yeah. Or you should listen to them. Yeah. You shouldn't just get in a room with some landscaped architects. It's, and Be so impressed with them. Yeah. But just because they say it doesn't mean you're it's doing the right it in direction. a vacuum, it's not working. Maybe you should have invited the, the partnership to the table, and maybe we would have been avoiding this were whole conversation. Were they invited? No, I don't think they were. No, I know they were not invited. I asked that question to one of the partners in the partnership, and they were not invited to the table. They weren't part of the the big new Adams Hancock Green discussion. And in 2013, it was promised that the Lloyd Willie statues would be included, and they were written out because when they actually came to fruition, some of the people were like, "This isn't—it's not going to tell the story that we we originally wanted to tell for Quincy." And the sad part is, 25 years later, there was 100, 150 people in front of City Hall, and they were not all new people to Quincy. They were right. people—they were people who have long roots here in Quincy that were questioning it. And yeah. you know, it's just—it's a sad statement that. You know, we can make Quincy the place we want it to be for all of us. It doesn't have to be for just the people who were born and raised here. It can be for the people who are born and raised here and the people who are moving here. There is a historic story to tell, and we should be telling it in the collaboration of everybody who's here. Okay. So, Ian, do you know what time it is? I think I do. What time is it? It's Listener's Real. I just have to find it, Ian. Wait one second. Mm-hmm. Just have to get to my mailbag. <laughs> Where is it? Oh, you have my mailbag. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. <clears throat> get my speaking voice, my reading voice ready. Hello, Kevin and Anne. Thank you for your detailed and well-presented two-part, two-part mm-hmm. City Limits podcast outlining the number of city projects which have been planned, but not completed. As a city taxpayer, it is shocking how much control Mayor Koch has over city projects and spending of funds with no approval from the city council. Except for when it comes to Lloyd Lilly statues. (laughs) Perhaps it is time to look at curbing the mayor's power without oversight. It is obvious from your podcast that Mayor Koch is a dreamer, but fails when it comes to execution. If he was a project manager for a public corporation, he would have been fired for failing to complete projects on time and within budget. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. A few comments on some of the city projects. Verkland. It's kind of a nice name for like a theme park you put there. <laughs> Verkland. Glad to see the city taxpayers are now providing free off-street parking for the non-owner property on Southern Ottery, which abuts this land. Mm-hmm. House on the Triangle of Common West and Center Streets. Another quiet property purchased by the mayor. It would be nice to know how much this cost the city taxpayers and what the justif- justification was for this purchase. Not even a communication from the Ward 4 Council on this acquisition. Animal Shelter, another example of poor planning by the mayor. 
why would you not expect to find granite on a quarry on Quarry Street where the old granite quarries were located? Then not to have a plan to move the animal shelter to a new permanent location prior to starting the new public safety building project. They only had seven years. Adams Library Land. That's another good name. <laughs> Adams Library Land. At a minimum, it is unethical in my view to use Community Preservation Act funds to purchase land and then build a parking lot, even if it may be temporary. Would also feel this should be reviewed to determine if this is a legal use of CPA funds. How much money has been wasted on the plans for these projects, which may never be completed? My guess is it's in the millions. Thank you for providing transparency for the taxpayers. You're welcome. <laughs> Too bad the mayor and his administration pick and choose to provide transparency only when it works to their benefit. Regards, John. I think, John, it might be in the multi-millions, but we'll try to get back to you on that. We're calculating as we speak. <laughs> and this, this is a short one uh, from Lynn. Mm -hmm. Hey, Ann, I wanted to let you know how much I love your podcast. Okay, um, Lynn, Kevin also does the podcast. <laughs> I am forever recommended it to people. I have a comment to make about the last one. I heard you briefly mention that some folks have been complaining about the cost of the senior center. I've been complaining about the same thing. I like to go to exercise classes. Each meet twice a week, depending on how many depending on how many weeks there are in the month, it can cost me up to $80 to attend them each twice a week. You can join a gym for not much more. I like the convenience of the classes and you don't have to pay if you miss a class but it seems like the cost would be out of reach for a lot of seniors. Maybe Mayor Koch should consider scaling back on the land purchases and fund a few of the activities for the seniors. This is a common thread. I've heard from a lot of seniors about this and the COVID money that's coming into the city of Quincy could go to the senior center to be able to help seniors who can actively participate in these programs. But instead we're purchasing land and what used to be a priority for this administration, which was seniors, seems to have turned into a, hey, you can pay for it. You're in social security. And it's it's really difficult for them to be able to pay for it. It's And it's a common thread that I'm hearing. And the last one is in regards to one of the projects we've mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing you today to provide some feedback related to the recently published concept, renovation plan, for the Forbes Hill Park and Golf Course that was presented to the community earlier this month. Mm -hmm. After having some time to review the plan in detail with several neighbors, we offer the commentary below and on the attached document. The concept plans show that the clubhouse is positioned in the current parking lot, which necessitates a shift in the access roadways into what is now Forbes Hill Park. In addition, a large area of surface parking is being proposed in the Forbes Hill Park that displaces open space and shade tree cover. Our main criti criticism of this plan is that too much of the Forbes Hill Park open space is being allocated for surface parking that will primarily benefit the users of the golf course at the expense of the open space and park uses. Such a plan will require a large reduction of open space and shade tree cover, which will be detrimental to the feel and use of the park. What's more, the plan does not yet include any details related to how the trees 
that will need to be removed to facilitate this renovation will be replaced and how the current trees of the boundary of the park will be treated, the condition of which is currently poor from years of neglect. Mm -hmm. Has the plan been reviewed, approved by the city council? It has not been. But I will say that this is one of those things where we have incredible associations, the Quincy Tree Association, the um, Quincy Environmental Network should be involved in this, and also um, Quincy Making Waves. If the administration really wants to develop Really, those filled with lifelong Quincy residents. Lifelong Quincy residents. If this, if this administration really truly wants to make something that's going to work for all residents, including environmental and including neighbors, what they should be doing is really including all of those organizations to make sure that we're making the best investment for the city of Quincy. Rather, they're just throwing out a number between eight and nine million dollars to just renovate the the first book golf course clubhouse. And and quite honestly, it has not come before the city council. But unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm a little worried about my city council because they seem to think everything is a great idea. This is one of those ones that they took on the Quincy Brunswick Golf Course without actually looking at any of the financial statements of the prior, how it was organized prior, and we're jumping into something much more expensive. So, yeah. So she she asks another question. What can we do together to encourage the city to modify their plans to save the open space and tree cover? I would say that we absolutely have to work together, and this is a citywide effort. And it's not just about the neighbors who are impacted. It's going to be about the people who use that park and open space. This is an administration who believes in open space, yet every time you turn around, he's covering it in parking lots. <laughs> is that true? I'm... I believe it's true. All right. So so that does it for for listener mail. This is a long show. We um, love long shows. We don't like long shows, uh, but you know, this is an important subject. A lot of people are putting their heart and souls into it, mm -hmm. um, so we think it's it's critical to cover it. Mm -hmm. So, so that does it for this week on City Limits. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.